This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm doing pretty good. I got to go see some wrestling live last night, which was pretty cool. Got to go to the historic Bojangles Coliseum and the heart of Charlotte, North Carolina. The drive sucked. Like, South Carolina has some of the worst interstates in the world, but uh, or at least in the United States. I shouldn't go that much hyperbole. But the show was great. It was cool to see a live TV show or live wrestling show that I don't immediately get out of it and hate myself. But then I realized, oh, wait, they're only taping one episode live of Dynamite, and then they sandwich that with Dark. So, the, I mean, from start to finish, it was three hours. I got in the car, and I was back home, and I got... Here, like at one o'clock in the morning, but I'm ready to cast. I'm ready to really get into this as this is our big home or going home edition. So let's let's get down into it. All right. Uh, Nate, you were not at the show, but you are on this episode of Everything Elite. It's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, fellas, listeners, friends, fans, family members. Um, Yeah, I'm on the episode. Here I am. Aaron, are you ready for uh, Death Stranding to drop in about five hours here? I couldn't be more ready. Uh, I'm assuming this has something to do with... Now, I can't do this joke again. It's old news. Uh, the WWE people being left in Saudi Arabia. Oh. Um, that was Death Stranding. Am I right? But uh, no, I don't but... know anything about it. Is it a video game? It's a video game um, by a guy who wants to be a filmmaker, but is really the uh, the top <laughs> auteur video game producer going. Um, yeah. Really, we really ought to have some sort of special feature where we make you watch the trailers and just pick your mind on on the trailers for the game. It's high art. Oh, well, we have to I have an idea it. for a place we could post those. Oh, don't you? What's that? Oh, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. Uh, what's this guy's name? Hideo Kojima. Okay, I have heard that name, so that means something to me, although I can't associate him with any other games. All right, make sure, if you want to check to see when we're going to do this podcast of me watching Hideo Kojima trailers and, uh, I don't know, doing whatever these guys want me to do with those, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can also find me. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike. Is at Fuji. Hey, yeah, that's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. You can search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. If you're listening on the pod, no, shit. If you're, you're listening so on. You had it, Apple Podcasts. Is it called the podcast app still? It's just called Podcasts, yeah. Podcast. Yeah. If you're listening on there, five stars, reviews, we would really appreciate it. Here's what we're going to talk about. We got a big announcement for this show. We teased it a little bit last week. We'll talk about that in just a second. We're going to play Elite or Delete 
we're going to preview this weekend's full gear. It's like probably a day away when you're listening to this. We're going to run down Dynamite from Wednesday night. We're going to talk about TV ratings, and it's a doozy. But first, it's true. If you haven't heard it yet, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, Everything Elite is launching a Patreon. You can subscribe to the Patreon. Basically, here's the idea. Once we, so we did a lot of these episodes before TV ever started, and they were pretty free flowing. We would talk about a lot of stuff. We would talk about everything elite, am I right? And then, <laughs> maybe he shook his head at me. But then as TV started, it became clear that you really only, if we want to do an hour ish show, we can really only talk about what happened on TV and we got to get out. So we thought we would give our listeners the opportunity to hear some extra content from us and give us the opportunity to talk about other stuff that we're really into, other wrestling we really like, and talk more in depth about uh, AEW. So here's what we got for you. Three tiers. First tier, $3. It's called the light tier. You're going to get AEW light, which we've already done two episodes that we put out on Wednesday mornings. It's a snackable 25-minute preview of that night's dynamite and you can hear the first two we've already put up if you subscribe right now and you can get those going forward you also get one bonus show per month and i'm about to tell you about those bonus shows okay five dollar tier you get all the bonus shows you're going to get a pay-per-view instant reaction show so this saturday night as soon as full gear goes off the air we're going to get on jitsi we're going to record a podcast talking all about it And then we're going to post it. And if you subscribe at $5 a month, you will get that. Uh, Here's some of the shows. And I'm going to stop talking for a little bit and bring in the other guys to talk about some of these other shows we're going to do. First show. This is. It's my catchphrase, folks. And I've turned it into a show. It's going to be a series of deep dives into every AEW roster member. Next week, coming up, the first episode will be This is Cody. Going to go all through his career. It's going to be exciting. Uh, Nate, tell us uh, what you're thinking about uh, for some of the shows that you are going to bring to the $5 tier. So speaking of Cody, the first show that I will mention is Into the Codyverse. This is basically where we discuss all of those promotions that are tangentially related to AEW. Of course, your uh, GCWs, you got all the shared talent, your Joey Janela connection there. DDT, which we'll talk about a little later with Kenny Omega and Riho and uh, the Tokyo Joshi Pro Women. Um, you know, AAA obviously has a working relationship with AEW. And, you know, everything else under the sun that happens to uh, interact or uh, 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 interface with AEW in some way. That will be on the Into the Codyverse show. Um, it is very hilariously themed after Into the Spider-Verse for whatever reason. Um, and then Aaron will also have the Kidani cast, where we'll talk about the Bushi Road family of promotions, um, including one that is near to your heart. Yes, that is the home of all stardom discussion on this, on the Everything Elite Patreon. So we're talking about stardom. We'll be talking about New Japan there. I guess uh, the big news, if you're a real EE podhead, the Aaron's folks, Aaron Taub is coming back. We're going to do a monthly show. Me and Aaron, we're going to do a monthly show talking about God knows what. As I sold Aaron on it, it'll be like the first 30 minutes of Everything Evolves. So 
the shit that we just prattled on about for 30 minutes on that show, that's what we're going to do. But then we're probably going to stop talking after that. And we will not review Evolve shows. Yeah, well, we, they will. They will review at least one Evolve show. <laughs> on the first episode, <laughs> we will be reviewing a match from an Evolve show. Thanks to Patreon subscriber and real EE podhead Aaron Quinn, who uh, basically I tricked her. I don't know. I've yeah, you tricked yourself. You worked yourself into a shoot is what you <laughs> Yeah, you, you played yourself, bud. I played myself. I, I told Aaron if she subscribed, we would review an Evolve match. And then uh, she paid $5 like seconds later. And uh, then I told her to pick the match. And she picked a really fucked up match. So it's going to be fun. Uh, Mike is also going to be bringing us plenty of new content. Yeah. So, of course, Aaron's already mentioned it. I've been kind of the person behind AEW Light. That's been something that we've, it was kind of our soft rollout of the Everything Elite family of products was started with AEW Light. That's going to be every Wednesday. We got, we got to tone down like the, the corporate brand speak a little bit. <laughs> we're again, we're getting right on that edge where it just came like, we only had one person roast us for going full capitalist on Twitter, but we're, we're inviting more with the, with the family of products. Yeah. Here. Okay. I'll, I'll turn that down. I, I'll just spell it out here. I have really enjoyed creating content with AB, Nate, and all of our guests over the last year. And this has kind of given us more of an opportunity to do so, not necessarily like constrained to this hour or probably two hours this week that we do on the weekly EE. So it, I've been spearheading AEW Light, something that's near and dear to my heart. And if you're a long time old pal of Iron Mike Spears, you know that I'm a big Dragon System guy. So I'll be bringing a program that's called Breaking Strong Hearts. And what I'm going to do here, because the description is four words, it's OWE reviews and discussion. It's going to kind of be a timeline series talking about what led up to the founding of Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, everything around it, and then getting into show reviews and splicing that into this dialogue of the last about three years about from the side of the Dragon System. So I'm going to be doing that. i It'll be an occasional show, so it's going to be a little bit more of like a timeline diary kind of thing. We're going to be doing Thursday ratings recaps whenever it's pertinent. You know, this week might have been one that is somewhat pertinent, but we're also going to be doing additional audio for breaking news, rating discussions, and more. So we might just have something that if something pops up during the day, we might just sit down, record a quick 20, 30 minutes, and throw it up on the feed. So it's really just us finding new ways to create a whole lot of other content. And it's not just audio, Aaron. There is also going to be That's right. our data trove. As I, I'm trying not to be corporatist, as Nate called me out properly before. There's going to be a whole lot of other written content. So, AB, what what kind of written stuff are we putting out there? Well, I'm working on an AEW match guide. If you follow me on Twitter and you've seen the Stardom match guide, it's going to be in that vein, but it'll be just AEW. And then we have some spreadsheets that Mike and I have already created that we use just for our own entertainment, but now we're going to share them with our fine subscribers, including one that tracks uh, the ratings, AEW TV ratings and the NXT ratings. So you can kind of compare and contrast. And I have one that tracks uh, TV appearances so we can kind of see the trends of how people are used on TV. And I'm sure Mike and I are big nerds. I'm sure we'll come up with more that we'll be posting on there. And I want to be clear that the shows that we talked about, that's not everything probably that we're going to make it's just like oh, no. those are some ideas that we have now and there could be more uh should all and 
Everything we just talked about, you can get for $5, $5. And then the top tier, $8 for the real EE heads, as I've uh, written it on the Patreon, gets you inner circle status. And basically, this is a way for, it's really a way for you to say you really want to uh, support us uh, at this highest tier. We'll follow you from the Everything AEW account on Twitter. Uh, you'll get a sneak peek at our run sheet before we record the free show. I know I already sent that out for our current inner, inner circle subscribers and uh, some run sheets for other bonus shows. Not all of them, but some uh, as you know, basically the ones that we do a good job of doing run sheets for, we'll post them. <laughs> so that's the Patreon. We would love to have your support. Uh, please be in. Uh, keep in mind, today's the 7th as we're recording this. When you subscribe to the Patreon, you will be charged immediately. And then from then on, you will be charged on the first of the month. So I'm I'm hoping to load up this uh, these last three weeks of the month with content. So you get a month's worth of content, including that pay-per-view instant reaction show. You're not going to get those every month. And you will get that in this three-week period uh, from now until the end of the month. So I just want you to know you're going to be charged immediately and again on the first of the month. Okay. Does anybody else have anything they want to add about the Patreon? I just wanted to shout out our subscribers so far because uh, we've had a great reaction, I think, better than we expected right off the bat here with, uh, you know, we're not really offering the bonus content yet until the uh, pay-per-view happens in a couple days. Um, so just awesome that you guys supported us and were, you know, gave us that vote of confidence like, hey, I know what you guys are, are doing is going to be on my alley. So appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, just thanks to everyone who has already become a patron and yeah as aaron was saying i have a lot of stuff in the hopper that i've talked about that i want to do it's just finding the right lane to do it in so it's not just going to be the shows we've talked about this is kind of like a new experience that we want to bring forth to our listeners and our patrons and we appreciate everyone who has already subscribed i should have also said this show is not going to change this is going to be the exact same show every wednesday for free on the same feed you've been getting so don't fear. Everything that we're going to make on Patreon is new content. And yeah, if anything, hopefully this show will be a, a little breezier. We'll have a little more interplay because we won't have quite as many news items to be bogged down with and stuff. That'll be, you know, interspersed on light and, and we can discuss, you know, things like ratings if necessary. We can go to a separate show. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this is a, an improvement on all fronts. Absolutely. And you should expect to get see some cool guests on the Patreon. I've got a very cool guest lined up for... The this is Cody episode. I uh, don't want to say it yet, just in case it falls through before the uh, before it drops. Uh, I know that uh, Brian Quimby from Street Fight will join us for bonus content at some point. So if you're a big Street Fight fan, uh, you should uh, subscribe to our Patreon <laughs> as well as Street <laughs> Fight. All right, let's jump into this. Uh, the place to start, as we've been starting, is ratings. That's the most recent news to drop. And it's uh, not a great week for our, our friends at All Elite Wrestling. They come in at 822,000 viewers for uh, Wednesday's episode. Now you're thinking, hey, that's up from last week. They did 759,000 last week. True enough. The bad news is it's down from 963,000. And the 759,000 number was against Game 7 of the World Series. So everybody was kind of expecting a bump. But I think we were all expecting a much bigger bump than what they got. I think I said on the show they needed to get back in the 900s. So they're still uh, losing viewers overall. They moved down to eighth in cable, down from sixth. And they put up a 0.35 in the demo 
down from a 0.33 and a 0.45 the week before. So a real drop off. Uh, so before we get into the NXT numbers to compare, uh, Nate, what were your immediate reactions to these ratings numbers? So I'm not too surprised that, you know, it, it didn't rocket back up to the, you know, 9,600,000 uh, figure that we were at a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, because when you're coming off a down week where a lot of people tuned out and went to check out game seven or whatever they may have done, um, you know, you're going to have a effect where people don't find their way back quite as easily. You know, people get into habits with their viewership. So if they miss it one week, they're a little less likely to catch the next week. Uh, so that's not too much of a surprise. But yeah, the rebound was not great. And I think more concerning than the total viewership number altogether is their relative performance in the you know rankings of what was on that night and their demo performance decreased in a uh, not super encouraging way. Um, but I, I guess really all I can say is they just have to keep doing their show and like the the project or the dream or the ethos of AEW is like, hey, uh, pro wrestling can actually be good on television and they've been making good shows. So they can't panic. They can't start, um, you know, uh, uh, trying to pop a rating by making bad pro wrestling television. They just got to keep on keeping on and hope that theory is true that American television viewers do want good wrestling to watch yeah it's first off i'm not gonna have as many takes on this as i would have in previous weeks since i was at the show it was harder for me to keep tabs on what was going on what was being said what general engagement was to give me some sort of indicator so this came this came as a shock to be on for someone who was out of pocket the thing that really surprises me at least for aew was that the males 14 to or 18 to 49 actually dropped between the last week with uh, game seven and this week, uh, you know, running pretty unopposed. The rest of the TV landscape wasn't nearly as harsh. I mean, we've talked about Mass Singer a lot being a big rating driver. And when it came back, it actually dropped from where it was before, which leads credence to what Nate was saying that it's hard to kind of come back when you've already displaced some viewers. So it's interesting and it's kind of in some ways, you know, what WWE did, and I will take my L on this, and I think it's probably a good way to kind of segue into NXT talk, is they built up their whole situation for people expecting what I guess are main roster people on NXT, and I guess that anticipation worked. Is it something that I think is going to work for them long term? No, but at least for one week this worked, and that's how we have a situation where this became such a tight fight when it was looking like that AEW was basic was lapping them, and now NXT has it's taken them about six weeks, but they finally started to put up a fight. Yeah, NXT put up eight hundred and thirteen thousand viewers, up forty percent from five hundred eighty thousand last week, and uh, they were twelfth in overall or twelfth in the demo. Uh, that's up from thirty first, twenty first week before that, and a point three zero in the demo, up from a point eighteen. So I was skeptical because the raw rating went down. So I was skeptical that they were going to be able to pop an NXT number based on putting NXT on uh, on Raw, on USA. But, I mean, prove me wrong. They, uh, they shot up. So I agree with Mike. I don't know that it's a long-term strategy. And let's be real. 822,000 is a great number for AEW. Like, if you remove all the other context and you just look at that number in week, what, what was this, week six? And they put up uh, over 800,000 viewers. That's good. 
that's very good. But there's kind of, I don't know if there's pressure on him, but uh, NXT is creeping up. Yeah, I don't know if there's pressure. It's just the, you know, it, it's a good number in a vacuum and it, it would be like a fine number to start at. I guess the, you know, the discourse and the, you know, worrying or whatever it is, is they're losing viewers week after week and people are watching the show and not coming back. But if you're putting on a good show and people are lo- and leaving, what can you do? You know, you have to train American wrestling fans to like good wrestling again is kind of the obstacle that they're up against. I will say it's a little bit of a win that NXT still did not beat them despite turning all of SmackDown into an angle to promote NXT and turning part of Raw into an angle to promote NXT despite devoting all week of their programming to pushing NXT. It still didn't beat AEW, so that's like, kind of win like this was nxt shot to be like okay you know we're we're on a level playing field and you know they're very close they're in striking distance but you know uh, uh like Meltzer on observer radio this morning before the radios or the ratings came out was like yeah no there's a you know if, if there's a shot that nxt is going to win in the ratings war in the near future it's going to be tonight and they didn't do it yeah this also i think it buttresses my point last week that 759 uh, which was in X, or AEW's rating last week, is the floor, as far as we know. And they have a chance now to start building up that audience from there. They've got to recruit back some of the people they've lost, but they've also got to make new viewers. They're just going to have to long-term for this to be a, a successful venture. So as long as they keep inching up from here, and if they could settle in around a million, I think they'll be fine long-term. And they are continuing to promote AEW well, so hopefully that continues to put new wrestling, new fans to wrestling their eyeballs on AEW uh, because tonight or last night, if you're listening to this tomorrow or two days ago, if you're listening to this on Saturday, Chris Jericho is on Inside the NBA, which is all I really wanted from AEW. Um, We're going to have the now-canceled Chris Jericho uh, hopefully go on back and forth with Charles Barkley. Um, So we'll see if that, you know, puts any... Sports fans, traditional sports fans, uh, into the AEW interested category. All right, let's get into dynamite, and we're going to start where we always start, baby. Elite or delete? Mike, hit me first. What was your elite pick from the show in Charlotte? I already said earlier how much I enjoyed the overall dynamite experience. It just was great whatsoever but the thing i want to touch on is this is a traditional wrestling area i feel feel like i've talked about that a lot like the south especially the carolinas and georgia are such a is such a traditional wrestling hotbed like the three sports up until the 90s were nascar college basketball or college football in south carolina and wrestling so this very much felt like that kind of crowd and when you have a crowd like that when you have a match like the women's tag match that was just such a well-done match, even though there's some wonky booking that we'll get into. But you have four women who, to my knowledge, unless something happened with Emi Sakura, I don't think either of the four have been in the Carolinas. There might have been like Queen of Combat that might have had Shayna once. But this, the crowd was one people have to start respecting how over Riho is like just to the overall audience and two, Shayna's had two great performances in consecutive weeks. And three, you had Sakura and Jimmy Hader just be 
a really fun and evil tag team, like playing a heels in a division that does not have very many compelling heels. Like Hater gave Riho three of the most disgusting bumps of the night, just pulling her to the outside and Riho deciding, oh, I'm just going to make this look really gross. So I guess my, my overall elite call is just how this whole entire match happened, the environment of this match, the four wrestlers in this match. This was just my favorite thing of the night. And that's something for, I got to see one of my favorite wrestlers of all time live. And this was the thing that I came away from Charlotte thinking it was the best thing. I mean, it is my brand to talk about the women's match in this segment every week, but uh, I guess I'll let that slide. Uh, to me, yeah, I agree, Mike. And Jamie Hayter, I just think is a huge star. I think if they got behind her in AEW, she could be uh, a superstar, absolute superstar. But it was really cool to see that Riho is still over in Charlotte. You know, so she was, she's was she been over big in other cities, but it's Mike is right. This isn't a single city thing. She's over big time with this audience. And that is uh, so much fun to see. Nate, you got an elite pick for us? Yeah, my elite pick, I think, was was really just going to be the wrestling on this show because all the matches were good. But we talked about a match, so I'll go total other direction. Um, in addition to the wrestling being really good on this show, the video packages on this show were fantastic. You had um, the video package with Chris Jericho and the inner circle that was parodying the uh cody video package from a couple weeks ago where you know brandy was trying to talk to him and give him some uh, uh business details and work that out with him and you had you know talking heads with ddp etc all talking about cody and him getting ready for his big that big match with jericho and here they turned that on on its head had it with chris jericho in the inner circle had chris jericho in a, a too small bathtub um instead of a sensory deprivation tank he was sipping on the bubbly um, he was uh, kissing Sammy Guevara instead of kissing Brandy. Um, and then you just had a fantastic cameo from Virgil. Um, I forget I forget the name they had to use because because WWE owns Virgil and Vincent. What was this? Soul, Soul Train Jones? Soul Train Jones, yep. Soul Train Jones. Fantastic comedic stuff there. Um, really like a genuinely funny pro wrestling comedy segment here. Uh, you could hear the actual crowd laughing, which is like, Quite an achievement to edit a what is basically an extended skit for pro wrestling and edit it so that it lands on TV and it lands in an arena. Like that's a hard place to get a laugh. So that was fantastic. And then they also have the excellent video package building up Moxley versus Omega. Had some, I think, some new interview content content with Omega in there. Um, had some awesome footage from CZW of Moxley just taking sick bumps and covered in blood. Um, and really d did a great job of sort of uh, setting the baseline for that feud and and making sure we're on solid ground there. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought the video packages and the wrestling were both great on the show. I can't disagree. I, I want to shout out the, the Brandy video. I saw some people giving it shit on Twitter, but to me, it was really good. It established, I think, that she's really going to be more like Kong's manager. That's what I took from it. And it it brings Awesome Kong back. And it sets up this overarching story for the division that Kong is going to try to take out everybody with, with Brandy's, you know, kind of menacing help. And uh, I, I really liked it. Brandy is, we've been saying this forever on this show from being the elite. She is one of the best promos in the company. She's great in this environment where I don't, I mean, I don't know if it took her one take or 10 takes, but she nails this. She can speak to the camera with authenticity and sincerity. 
And uh, I really liked it. Made me excited about where that's going to go. Hey, this is a pro brandy podcast. Absolutely. Is that your pick? Is that your elite pick? No, that's not okay. my elite pick. I was just talking <laughs> on your elite pick. My elite pick, folks. I, I was pissed last week because I thought they really screwed up the Cody Jericho build. I thought they really let us down last week. And I still think that. I still think that was a, a misstep in the build to full gear. But my God, did they get it back this week. The second segment. So instead of opening the show with an interview in the ring, they give us a match, good match between Trent and Pack. Then when you're primed, they bring out Cody with Tony Schiavone in the ring, just like Nitro. And Cody delivers. It's not an all-time promo. I can't say that. But it is a great promo. One of the best American promos you got to rank it up there with, you know, stuff like the pipe bomb, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's great, a great promo. And it drew me right back in to this feud. It made me, this is what I'm going to talk about in my delete pick, which I'll get into later. But this not only made me want to see this match, it made me want to see Cody win the match, which I think is the most important part of a build. The only reason I'm going to plop down 50 bucks to watch this or plop down whatever it takes to get in the building is to see somebody win or to see somebody get their ass kicked. Not just because I'm excited to see a match. So I was glad they got back on, on solid footing with this angle. Cody cut a great promo and it's just what they got to do. I wish they hadn't made that little misstep, uh, but we're back and it rules. Yeah. Really excellent promo. And I really appreciated that it wasn't um, just sort of rote pro wrestling verbiage and metaphors and saying the same old things we've heard in a million things. Like he said some weird things that are like big swings. Like the Ellis Island line is like pretty goofy and kind of weird, but didn't feel out of character, you know, felt pretty authentic, felt like he believed it. And that's really what's important that, you know, he gets into making fun of Jericho's book price and calling him a stupid dick. Um, and he took up for millennials. He was, oh, if he'd called them a boomer, then we would have had, we would have called it the okay boomer promo for the rest of time. And it would have gone down history. Taylor Lorenz, friend of the show, probably would have tweeted about it in reference to our New York times article. Um, so it was almost, it was one, one line away from being an all time classic, but uh, super hot too. And also like, you just appreciate a crowd that goes along with a promo the way they're supposed to. <laughs> You're like, Oh yeah, no, the crowd's, getting behind the baby face. They're cheering at the cheer lines. They're not yelling what after everything. Uh, was, you know, again, the MVP of these uh, um, AEW shows, which uh, the VOW flagship has said, continues to be the crowd in a lot of ways. Like they even got behind Trent in that opening match. And like, he's an undercard guy going against the bigger star. Like just great stuff. I have one more point I want to make about this promo, which is the discourse around it has mostly been about how great it is. But there was some discourse about how, you know, it's how do you root for this guy or that it's kind of hard to root for this guy because he's the boss. And so why are people getting behind this guy who is uh, a vice president? He's clearly talking about being in management. And I think those people completely misunderstand the AEW audience. Cody, his whole thing is that he's the cool boss. When he's talking about Ellis Island, he means... He's telling you that he built Ellis Island for pro wrestlers. That's, and the fans love that. The AEW fans love that. It would be like me 
going on this podcast and talking about how Elizabeth Warren is a heel because Bernie Sanders is the babyface. I might think that. A lot of people who listen to this show might think that. But the Democratic Party at large, the voters at large, don't view Elizabeth Warren that way. And she's kind of running the same shtick as Cody. Cody is the Elizabeth Warren is what I'm saying here. So, but it works in this audience. So they're just, you're missing the point. I think he's a babyface only, and all wrestlers are only babyfaces or heels in the context of the audience that's watching them. And this audience views the cool boss as the good guy. Right. You have to look at it in the context of he's the Elizabeth Warren, but the conversation is dominated by the big Trump fundraiser, which makes him the babyface by default. So Actually, my delete from this week is one aspect of this promo. And this is, I completely co-sign with what y'all are saying. This promo would have been their big, just banner-waving promo, except for one aspect that irks me so much about it that they didn't need to do. And it's something that you do at the end of the feud, at the end of the ride. And that is Cody saying that, if he loses the match on Saturday, then he will not challenge the A for an A for the AEW World Championship again. And I just think that you're taking an arrow out of your quiver and shooting it way before you ever need to with that. And it's something that's like eliminated a lot of doubt. And we'll get into this when we talk about our predictions for the show and our preview for full gear, but it completely changed my mind around this match hearing just that one stanza of the promo it just because in my mind it's like okay so we're gonna go two ways cody wins which you know you can make your argument that he's the ace of the promotion he is the god to the fans in the building he is the most popular face they should go with that or he loses and and he's gonna like be like el hio del midnight rider i guess because they can't keep him away from the title because he is the big star. He is kind of the uh, he is the person who smashed the uh, the stone throne. He has been like the person that's kind of leading the cause. So you're you're doing this unnecessary stipulation here, and of your own volition, you're not being challenged into saying, "Okay, this is your last time you're facing me, and I want you to agree to it," Be- because they just basically paint themselves in the corner with that, and it completely changes my mindset about the world title match. And it's something that it's just an unforced error in my mind. And that was like my biggest negative coming out of that show was you had this promo that was hitting all the notes. Sure. If it, if he went, okay, boomer to him, that would have given it like the tagline instead of calling like the Ellis Island of professional wrestling, but like ending on that, making that such a moment other than getting the emotion out of the Charlotte crowd just seemed like an unforced error to me. And it's something that I think that they're playing that card way too quickly for when Cody is supposed to have that big win because he shouldn't have the big win right now. He should be chasing. He is someone that you're, you're trying to build up sympathy. You're trying to build up that everyone so badly wants Cody to beat Jericho and you've completely eliminated what could be another four months, six months of a possible title feud. And that frustrates me. And that's why I can't totally be as positive about this promo as a lot of other people are. I see where you're coming from. And I don't know. I hate to be like Fed Defense Squad here, but I just kind of want to see it play out. Let me see what happens before I judge this. Cody has not led me astray. Certainly not in this promotion. And I'm going to go along for the ride and see what happens. 
I'm skeptical of it, but I think it could turn out to be to be good. Yeah, I'm with Mike totally on that. I don't think it adds so much to the match that it's worth the downsides that it potentially has coming out of the match. If he wins the title, that's largely fine. Like I, I think Jericho should have the title for a long time to establish it. But Cody is the hottest guy. He's the babyface. Maybe you want it to be more of a babyface-led promotion in general. So that's fine. If he loses the title, and either you eliminate him from world title contention forever um, and just take away that big goal for him as a character, that hurts you. And if you go against the stipulation in you know six months or a year or two years, that's just annoying. It's, you know, it's annoying to be promised a promotion that has wins and losses count and stipulations matter, and then they just go against their stipulation that they didn't need to do in the first place. So I'm with Mike on that. Um, my delete is kind of simple. I would delete like two minutes from every match on the show. I would make every match like two minutes shorter. I feel like every match is peaking a little bit before the finish. We're getting a lot of finishes that come after the peak of the match, and you're sort of on the downslope. Um and also that just gives you a little bit more time to get a little more character action in there. They did a lot of good character stuff on this show. The packages that I mentioned earlier, the promo, obviously. Pac had another great promo or had a great promo after his uh, opening match win, similar to how Paige had a nice solid promo after his opening match win. I just think if you take like two minutes off each match, then they're all a little bit hotter and a little bit snappier. And you have just a little more time to, to plug in a, a video package or a promo from somebody else. And if you need to delete just a little bit of body hair, you can use Manscaped. Support for Everything Elite comes from Manscaped, who's number one in below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So we're going to talk about Manscaped some before I get into my delete pick. And I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. These ads are about uh, getting support from our listeners for this free show. We've talked about other ways you can support us through the Patreon, but what I wanna to talk to you about is how to support this free show. And I'm gonna be uh, straight with you. I like these products. It would have been easy for me to come on this show and bullshit about some of these things, but I'm really telling you about the stuff I like. The Lawnmower 2.0 is a really good uh, razor for, for grooming uh, your genitals. It's really good, I like it. Uh, I really like the ball preserver, the deodorant thing. I mean, it kind of it keeps you fresh. I really like it. So, and I really like the uh, the crop cleanser, the body wash, basically that you can use uh, in the shower. These are really good products. So, manscaped.com, You can use the promo code Elite. You'll get twenty percent off. You'll get free shipping, and we are offering a special offer uh, to our listeners related to Manscaped. Okay. And it has it goes in hand in hand with our Patreon offer. If you send us a receipt for a Manscaped purchase, we're going to give you something. So basically, what you do is you DM us, you send us the receipt, and you got to tell us whether you subscribe or give us enough information so we can figure out whether you subscribe to the Patreon. If you don't subscribe, we're going to give you one free bonus show for your Manscaped purchase. If you subscribe to the three dollar tier. We're going to give you a double extra bonus show. A number two, you're already getting one. We're going to give you another one. If you're a $5 tier subscriber, we're going to give you the $8 tier rewards for a month. 
if you're an $8 tier subscriber, I, look, I can't come up with anything else. I really tried. I racked my brain. Uh, but we'll come up with something for you to thank you for your support. So all you got to do is DM us uh, your receipt and email address. Um, that's manscaped.com, promo code ELITE, 20% off and free shipping. Because, folks, it's almost the weekend, and you never know what's going to happen on the weekend. You got to be prepared. You got to have your everything below the belt prepared in case somebody else sees it. It's talking about sex. I'm talking about sex, folks. Uh, but And I want to repeat what I said last week. Of course, uh, Manscaped products are not just for men. Uh, they're for women who want to groom their testicles or any body hair that you have. You can use uh, the Manscaped products. I said the smells from Manscaped are kind of mask in, in nature. So if you're not into that, then that's fine. But the lawnmower 2.0 is going to work for you no matter what. If you got body hair that you want to trim, it's going to work. So go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code ELITE. You're going to get 20% off free shipping. And make sure you DM us that receipt, and we will get you some sort of reward uh, in line with the things that I that I suggested earlier. So that's it on Manscaped. I want to get back into my uh, delete pick. I just It was too good of a seg. I just couldn't miss out on it. Here's my delete, and I, I teased it a little bit, but it's it's the overall build for full gear. And I also thought this worked well here because that's what we're going to talk about next. And with Cody Jericho, I'm excited to see the match, and I'm excited to see uh, Cody win. That's what I want to see. Whether I think that's going to happen is another question, but it's what I want to see. I'll be, I'll be uh, foaming at the mouth for Cody to win. The other matches, I didn't think they'd done a great job on any of the matches until – the closing angle, the last four minutes or so of this show, which was very third hour of Nitro. I loved it. <laughs> it was a great angle. But all it did was get me excited to see these people fight. I want to see Omega and Moxley have a match. I want to see the Bucks and uh, Santana and Ortiz have a match. And they built earlier. But I want to see Riho and Emi Sakura, but that's kind of unrelated to what's happened in AEW. But I don't care who wins any of these matches. And that's concerning. You got to give me somebody to root for and somebody to root against because that's the kind of promotion that this is. They are selling us old school wrestling, the wrestling uh, that you that you grew up on. And that wrestling involves people that you want to see win and people you want to see lose. We don't have that going into full gear except for one match. That's my yeah. And to piggyback on this, I completed the written preview for VoicesOfWrestling.com for full gear that should be up either by the time you listen to this or yesterday or maybe two days ago. I don't know when it's going up, but when I was like going through this written preview, which is actually a great way to get my thoughts in line for when we're going to talk about this tonight, a lot of the builds for these matches, I mean, we, we have right now eight of them, including one match on the buy-in. We'll probably have another match on the buy-on if uh, double or nothing and all out or any indication. It's very uneven what really has been built up. Like you have something like Hangman versus Pac, which, you know, they've, it was on ice basically for four months. And then they brought it back with the first episode of Dynamite. And then they've been pretty consistent about each week doing something. And now we have that, the fact that Paige wants to win the tiebreaker and Pac wants to invent his only fall he's taken in aew that's great built like, like that has stakes there and you can be like okay i want Paige to get over on this asshole or i want Pac to just have a clean slate now but then you 
look at something like Moxley and Omega, where I have talked at length about how uneven this build is, and there's not really a uh, any benefit for whoever wins. Like, what are the stakes if uh, Kenny Omega defeats John Moxley in a night in a lights out match? It's not in the it's not in the records. It's probably not going to lead to a title match when this really could be almost like a championship eliminator match. And then what about John Moxley? Like he beats Omega in kind of what has been his prestige match. I mean, talking about his history again, doesn't count towards his rankings and it wouldn't help his claim for a title match. So I, I totally co-sign with you on this Bentley. The overall build for full gear has been uneven at best for some matches and downright, downright non-existent for other ones. All right. I'll be uh, occasionally antagonistic on this one. I kind of like that the more important matches have gotten more focus in terms of the build. I like that we know that the most important match is Cody and Jericho, and consequently they've gotten the most push on the, the television shows and have you know had a segment on pretty much every show. And then I like that Moxley versus Jericho is the next is the next most important match in importance there. And they've had something to advance that story on every single show to this point. Um, you know, the Bucks in LAX or, or PNP or whatever, that story is kind of uh, a facet of the larger elite versus inner circle story. And I think that's fine because we know that's going to we know that's going to move forward um, and, and become a, an ongoing story into the future. This obviously isn't the blow off for that larger story. But this could be the blow off for Cody and Jericho because Cody may not continue to challenge in the future. And this is probably the blow off for the for this point in time for Moxley versus Omega, since this is really, you know, uh, uh, carrying forward a match that they were originally doing on All Out. Uh, and then the other matches on the card, uh, I would have liked to see a bigger storyline push for uh, Riho and Emi Sakura. As we discussed, that's one place where they're definitely deficient, like, that, you know, it's mentioned, oh, it's teacher and student, and she's gotten some wins, but there's no real character conflict that we see developed in promos. Of course, they're not native English speakers, so that's a little tough. But, you know, stuff like a, a Sean Spears versus Joey Janela, they gave us like two little quick angles, and we've got a little bit of a personal issue there. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, one guy versus the other guy for control of the universe. Just a little bit of a personal issue there. I kind of like that that's a undercard match that you can just warm up to and just sit and enjoy and be like, I don't need to exert myself on this. This is an undercard match. The big stars are coming later. I kind of enjoy that. That's like a, that gives me that old school sort of wrestling feel of like watching the spring break and being like, Oh yeah. You know, Prince Ty K is out here. I'm just going to enjoy this undercard match and wait for Kevin Nash to come out later. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the undercard. I mean, I really, they did a lot of build for this match that's going to be like first or whatever, not first, but you know, it's going to be an early match and who really cares? Just some of these title matches and uh, especially Moxley versus Omega. I agree with Mike hundred percent. There's just no stakes to this match. And that's what's a bummer because they had story beats that they could have built on to make this into a, a match that was more, more satisfying of a build, but let's get into these matches and actually uh, preview this card. We're talking about it pretty, um, in overall terms, but let's get into them. We've talked a lot about Chris Jericho and Cody, so I'm not sure we need to go any more deeply into the build here. But do we want to make picks? Should we make picks here? I think we got to do picks. So come picks. on, Nate. Wrong Who boys do you think's in the house. Win? Who's walking out the AEW World Title holder? <laughs> um, I think Cody is winning the belt. And oh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking this for a uh, 
out of storyline reason. I don't think they want Chris Jericho to lose to a top New Japan guy again and this time as the AEW champion. And I think in two months, he's going to Japan and he's losing to Hiroshi Tanahashi and they don't want him being the AEW title holder at that time. So I think Cody is getting at least a cup of coffee with the belt here um, to establish him as like the ace, the top guy, the flag bearer for the promotion. Uh, gets them out of that stupid stipulation they added and also gets the belt off Jericho for at least for the time being. I think that it's Cody winning, but unlike Nate, who's bringing up the uh, outside of the company ramifications, I think they pay themselves in the corner and, and tip their hand on how they're going with this. Unless we're going to see El Hio del Midnight Rider. So I think it's Cody winning this thing. I'm shocked by this. I intended to come on here and pick Cody, but now I'm doubting myself. I mean, the thing on the show that really talked me out of Cody was that he literally stood tall at the end of the show, which is like an old school tell of who's going to lose at the pay-per-view is whoever stands tall on the go-home show. So that concerns me. Uh, I think, I just think they're going to try to do something cute with that stipulation. And you still got two months to get the belt off Jericho. You can do it on TV. There, I mean... It might not yeah. be what you want to do, but you can do it. I don't like TV. I don't like changing it on TV already. It should be yeah. a, it should be a big occasion. You should have to pay money to see a title belt, the top title belt change hands, I think. I will say, I think the stip is stupid, and I think it's stupid if they go back on the stip. If they just get really like corny throwback about it and he comes out in the Midnight Rider mask in however many months, I'll enjoy it. I'll be like, okay, you won me over. That's cute. There's also the possibility of some sort of non-finish here. Yeah. I know it's their, well, their... no, they did the whole 60-minute draw with judges thing. They're trying to tell us there's not going to be a non-finish. That'd be, they would really be pushing their audience to the limit if they're like, no draws, we've got judges, there's no way there's not a finish here, and then they do some double count-out bullshit. Okay, but if Cody loses by judge's decision, does he have an argument to make that he can still challenge for the title because he wasn't pinned in the ring or submitted? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe if you have a corrupt judge, but even then, you're like, you're kind of being <laughs> gross about it. Like he's either a whining baby face or you're doing a, a you know screw job finish in a way. And I, you know, we hope they're not doing that many screw job finishes. I tell you, what's gross is a sixty minute match between Chris Jericho and Cody. <laughs> hey, if it, yeah, if it's just if it's just sixty minutes of super overbooking and run ins and. <laughs> wacky shit then i'll enjoy it i'm picking jericho i just i just can't see it at this point so, so yeah. what do you think is going to happen then with cody down the line seeing that he's removed himself from the title chase in theory it's going to be a, a midnight rider scenario yeah without a doubt okay but but that makes it so hard they're so early in this promotion if they do that he comes out he wins or loses the title in like a mask what do you do three years from now when you want to have Cody challenge for the title? I mean, that's what I said. This was my delete of the week because they painted himself. It's an unforced Aaron. Yeah. I thought he was going to announce, even if it was just a storyline, that he was stepping down as EVP. I thought that's, that's where we that's, were going. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought he was doing the other week. And I think that's almost the right thing. I think that's because that was supposedly his justification for smashing the, the throne was, oh, I'm not going to be, you know, a Triple H management guy like i'm gonna be a wrestler right now that's why like i was bullshit obviously but and i think that 
just that just makes the kayfabe a little bit easier to swallow. You know, we don't have to tie ourselves into knots going, well, why is Cody booking this match? Because we know Cody's booking the matches and he's also wrestling. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So that would have been nice, but that's not what they did. Okay, next is the lights out match. And I have no idea if they're going to just do this in the middle. <laughs> Turn the they lights out. I'm going to be pissed off if they do it in the middle of the show. Yeah. Too. They have to go at yeah. the end. It, you have to put the world title match on last. Well, they are. That's their, so It's a good cheat. You can say that the world title match was the real main event, but then you can do this goofiness to, to get yourself out of that. That's a yeah. cheat I'm okay with. All right. Well, all right. We're going to have John Moxley, Kenny Omega. I think we've all talked about our our problems with uh, or non-problems with this bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, you got any more on that or you just want to make a pick in this match? I'm just going to make my pick. And I think just because they eventually have to start the rehabbing is uh, Kenny has to win. Kenny is winning. Okay. Is Kenny winning? I don't know. I don't have a good sense for this because you want both these guys near the top of your card. Neither one. I mean, it doesn't go on the record books and also they're both perceived as main eventers. I think maybe Moxley is winning and they're going to they're going to give Kenny the defense of oh it's Moxley's stipulation. Moxley's the hardcore guy. He's used to this element. Kenny's I mean he's a you know uh, anywhere champion going way back or whatever but uh, Kenny's perceived more as a new Japan, you know, strong style guy whatever the hell. So I, I think they're going to give it to Moxley and you can say oh well you know uh, that's not a real loss to Kenny cuz it's not in the books and he's not a hardcore guy. Yeah, they they maybe sowed the seeds a little bit by saying having Kenny have this line in the video of, you know, well, what were you gonna do? Chain wrestle with me? So they're all enjoyed that. I like that line. It was good. So maybe next they do I don't know, some sort of match where it's more it has to be more focused on technical wrestling. I mean, they can draw this out. And uh, I think that's probably a good idea because you might not want either of these guys in the title picture yet. You can do something different while also presenting both these guys as main eventers. I'm not real big on like series of matches. I, I think that's overdone, but I can see it here. Uh, and I think Moxley's winning. Omega, they're not doing a good job of it, but they're trying to tell the story of Omega kind of failing and then being upset about it and blah, blah, blah. So, I just kind of think that continues here. And then you can do Moxley Jericho if you want to, you know, if, if Jericho comes out. So I don't know. That's my thought. AEW Women's Championship match. Riho, the champion, takes on Emi Sakura. Uh, here's my big pet peeve here. So we saw in this tag match, which we've already talked about, the way they set this up was that Sakura uh, pinned Riho with uh, La Mahi Strahl. I hate pinning the champion in a tag to set up the title match. The champion, we should not see the champion pinned until the title changes hands. And there wasn't some sort of nefarious means by which she got to pin her. She just, it was kind of a flash pin. That's how they tried to uh, get out of that. But I just hate this style of storytelling. That's a fair pet peeve. I understand that. It doesn't bother me because I'm not expecting it to be a habitual thing where champions eat pins all the time. I assume this is to make you think that Emi Sakura could... Uh, get the pin, come full gear here. So I understand that, but it doesn't bother me personally. 
Um, the the La Magistral looked awesome though. It was just the execution of that looked great. And like Riho's so small that like a pinning combination just looks like, oh yeah, no, there's no way that she would get out of that. And of course she's not kicking out. I am a big fan of flash pens. As a Dragon System fan, everyone has a flash pen. I you think as someone who watches so much stardom AB, you would be all right with a good like Itabashi or revival like having a good flash pin in your arsenal is important it's important to teach your fans that this could happen my issue is just that this pen should have been the the cause for a title challenge as this was the second direct fall that riho has taken in this company and her second and her first fall since they've been on tv but i think riho wins this i think that this is a great match to do like a this is actually the match i'm probably most excited on the show it's a great opportunity to do like the nice teacher versus student thing. And at least Emmy soccer is pushing it as that on Twitter. And that's been nice to see. I wish they maybe would have done something for that in the lead up to this, but I, I'm stoked for this. And I think this is a probably the easiest title match here to decide Rio wins. Yeah. Rio definitely wins. Um, what they should have done to do some of that teacher versus student stuff. This is total fantasy booking, but we know sick Nick Mondo was in Japan with Kenny and Riho. He should have gone to the Gato move venue and gotten some interviews with the other Gato move wrestlers, gotten some insight on Riho and Nimi Sakura and their relationship. And then we could have had Lulu pencil on, uh, uh, which would have been great. Speaking of flash pens <laughs> and her amazing backslide. Uh, but yeah, Riho definitely wins here. Uh, Sakura is not going to be somebody they're going to have, I think, as a, uh, you know, a, a flag bearer for the division and their their most pushed woman or something. Yeah, Riho is, of course, winning this. I would suggest everybody check out uh, Riho versus Sakura in Riho's last Gato Move match. It's on the Gato Move YouTube. And I wouldn't be surprised if they play with some of the stuff that happened in that match in this match. So it might add a little excitement for you if you've seen that match. Also check out uh, Lulu Pencil versus Antonio Honda um, from Gato Move. This is a great, great, entertaining match. There is no way that you've watched that match, Nate. I'm I just, did I'm watch that bullshit match. on this. I watched that match. It's got it's one of the best finishes that you'll ever see that I alluded to, but it's fantastic finish. Okay, it didn't air live. How on earth did you watch? It? Uh, the the Gato Move guy who does translations uh, put it up on their YouTube with like him doing commentary on it. People were like saying, oh, this is like the, you know, match of the year, or whatever stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to see what all this Lulu pencil furor is about and see if the, if the hype is real. For those who don't know, Nate famously only watches wrestling that occurs live. So I'm just, I'm stunned by this information. Yeah, if you want to watch old wrestling, you got to go on like the $20 a month Patreon tier. There's just no time, <laughs> folks. I don't, to, to, to peek behind the curtain, I don't actually have issues with old wrestling at all. It's just the only way that I find it's possible to keep up with things. It's just to not watch anything that's old. It's just, I'd rather stay up on what's happening than look back because I have other interests. There's no time for other interests between a job and watching that much wrestling. we got to make an old wrestling tier. That's a great idea. I'm glad you suggested that. Thanks. <laughs> AEW Tag Team Championship match. The champions SCU take on the Lucha Brothers and Private Party in a three-way dance. Uh, fuck, I hate three-way dances. <laughs> I hate rematches of title matches. I'm just so irritated by uh, the fucking bronze medal that they did on TV. So if, we said we were going to weave in some of the TV. Yeah. I haven't done any of that. But so on TV, it was Private Party versus the Hybrid 2 versus Dark Order. And the conceit of the match 
was that whoever won would have would be third place in the tag team title tournament. But the hybrid two weren't in the tag team title tournament. It just oh, I'm it just infuriates <laughs> me. I fucking hate this so much. But I'm hybrid, so mad. The hybrid two didn't end up being in that match though. It ended up just being Dark Order and Private Party. Initially, it was supposed to be a three way dance because hybrid two was. Oh, am I getting mad about something that didn't actually yeah. happen? Yeah, yeah. I, I... <laughs> but but I'll say something that actually did really frustrate me. The one downside And did it actually happen? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, this happened. This, this happened in my life. I'm speaking on I, I'm speaking on my, my personal truth here. Uh the thing the one really bad thing about the Charlotte uh Bojangles Coliseum is it's a very old building. So the acoustics and just everything in general is dated. Luckily, like there's a they're doing like renovations. If they're coming back through Charlotte, I suspect it will be all upgraded. But had really bad PA system, and I could didn't hear anything that Justin Roberts said during this because the crowd was so loud about him saying this match is for third place in the tag team title tournament. So I think it was like in group DM, someone was like, "Oh yeah," because I was wondering what the fuck's going on with these medals and all of that. And I was just like, "Oh, it's a third place match." Okay, but yeah, this was just. It's weird. This match is kind of weird because you have it's. I I mean I'm gonna go Lucha Brothers just because it feels like that they have other plans for SEU and Private Party. You're gonna do the long build now since you didn't have them win the tournament. Like I feel like this is not a super hard match to win. But I mean the thing is, is picking Lucha Brothers. I've still yet not had a single person tell me that Lucha Brothers are under AEW contract. They're still working an insane amount of dates right now. Do you really want to build up a team? that could be getting injured elsewhere that works the schedule that the Lucha Brothers has done and a tag team that's had several injuries while doing this schedule. So I feel like you have to go Lucha Brothers here because Scorpio Sky has another future and I don't know what you're going to do with Kazarian. Maybe he tag teams with Shima. I mean, they're teaming all together and move on. But yeah, no, I love a good three-way dance, but also Dragon System, I'm used to them and they do them a different way than usual usually happens here so it'll be interesting to see how it kind of plays out though i'm wondering what the house like three-way style is going to be in tag matches yeah looking down the document very funny that uh aaron clearly worked himself into a shoot on the hybrid two thing here because he wrote notes further down where he was mad about them being in the match and he was talking about it and i was like oh that is funny i didn't even i did watch the show we both watched the show <laughs> probably should have noticed are you guys sure that we know that team in this match no because they they tagged with uh kip sabian in the dark matches right so that's right huh. yeah <sighs> yeah um seu retains if seu doesn't retain i'm gonna be so mad i will be mad i'll be like okay these belts are already all fucking over the place anybody can win them anywhere doesn't mean anything tournament was a waste of time have to win yeah, if you're going to do a championship rematch, which you should never do, I mean, under ver there's very compelling circumstances where it can happen, but you shouldn't do it normally. If you're going to do it, it has to just be a way to prove that the champions are better than the challengers. And so I would accept that. But I will accept nothing else. Also, Private Party can't take the fall in this match. SCU has to pin Lucha Brothers. I don't care if Private Party takes the fall. They're like 12 years old. They can lose for a while but if they don't pin the lucha brothers then we're just gonna have to have another match between these two teams no because they already beat the lucha brothers 
Do they have to exchange medals? Like if uh, yes, like whoever loses this match is now the third ranked team in the division, and they get the bronze medals. And then whoever doesn't take the fall is second, and first place gets the gold and the belts. Like is that what we're going to have going on here? Some real ROH top contender trophy bullshit. I loved that Lucha Brothers did an Instagram or maybe a Twitter post where they were with their second place medals, and the caption was like the best tag team in the world. <laughs> okay. Proud and Powerful versus, that's Santana and Ortiz, versus the Young Bucks. The only build on the TV show this week was that they were involved in this uh, ruckus at the end of the show and, you know, just going after each other. So that's fun. You like that. Um, I don't know. This should be great. Yeah, the show closing angle was awesome. Um, so I'm not going to complain about the build because they were. it was part of the hottest angle on the show and, you know, one of the hottest angles that we've had in – at least a couple of years in American pro wrestling. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the, I think this moves forward. This is not the blow off as I discussed earlier. This is going forward. We did not mention this earlier in discussing Cody's promo. He referred to the match beyond, which is the name, which is a term that was used in reference to war games. After everybody enters the ring for a war games match, that begins the match beyond, and then the match can actually end. Uh, this is part of the reason why War Games is a stupid stipulation, because you have like a half hour of wrestling where nobody can win, and it doesn't mean anything because not everybody's in their wing. It's like you're telling the audience, hey, there has to be 30 minutes of heat where the bad guys outnumber the good guys. Just check in in 30 minutes, and then the match starts. Anyway, so he has trademarked the term the match beyond. So they're going to do War Games. They're going to call it the match beyond. And that's where we're headed with the elite versus the inner circle. So if you have a fuck finish here, if you have Hager getting involved here or something, that's okay. It's not a title match. It's an undercard thing leading to a build bigger thing. But these two teams are awesome. They're going to have a kick-ass match. Um, this was, uh, I think, they first met on the Jericho Cruise. I don't think we've seen it on soil or on tape. Well, maybe we have. Do they? No, not in Hog or anything. I don't think these, these guys have ever wrestled on tape before. I don't think so, but I'm probably wrong. Think it could have been no. <laughs> so they they the, hadn't wrestled on tape before the Jericho Cruise. That was their right. first, and that did not make the Ring of Honor broadcast. Right, because uh, that was like LAX. a four cruise only show. Yeah, yeah, because LAX was under Impact contract Impact, at that time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that their times in PWG overlapped either. And if they have, it might have been as like. No, the Bucks have already did a farewell before they went to the Globe. Yeah. So uh, maybe a Beyond Wrestling show, yeah. like back when the Bucks did Beyond Wrestling? Because the Bucks no. did do Beyond There's, Wrestling for a bit. That was, that was not after the cruise, though. Oh, yeah. That was way before. Uh, so this anyway, is... So it, it's going to be great. And uh, I think Proud and Powerful wins uh, to continue the feud going forward with the Elite. Nate and I are just at odds tonight because I think it's the Bucks. I'm going with what I had in my preview. I I looked at the rankings for this, and eventually we know that the Bucks are going to get into the tag team title picture. If they lose this match, then they are going two matches below 500 in the tag team title division. So even if this isn't a blow-off, this would be a huge step back if they're going to make any sort of claim for whoever's going to be the title challengers. But I this has been one of the feuds. I think they've done smart things each week to kind of ramp it up, ramp it up, ramp it up until we had this this crazy WCW 1998 ass three hour of 
third hour brawl going on at the end of the show. So yeah, I'm stoked for about this. I think Santana and Ortiz are portray something different, and that is a team that's solely over as heels. I mean, first night in the company at All Out, they attacked the Bucks. They attacked the fucking Rock and Roll Express. You do things like that, you're going to get get booze. Especially, you attack the Rock and Roll Express in mid-Atlantic country. You don't do that if you're trying to get over as baby faces. So this is actually a really compelling thing. I could see this continuing. I could see that with the match beyond, that this might just be a pit stop on the way to the final match between these groups. But I'm still... I just feel like they're eventually going to start rehabbing the Bucks if you want to have them in the title the title scene. So I think the Bucks win this. I guess uh, we're not getting a Rock and Roll Express match in AW. I guess the, the dream is dead there. Yet. It's time. They're going to be gone for another 20 years. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I see what Nate's saying. You know, a Hager interference causes the Bucks to lose. But I also see what Mike's saying. The the AEW fans, if you never watched before, you have no idea that the Bucks are like really good. They don't seem really good to you because they've just lost in this promotion so far. So, well, I guess they split with Lucha Bros, right? But none of that was on TV. So you've seen them lose to Private Party, who have just lost since then. And now you're going to see them lose to Santana Ortiz on the first big pay-per-view? It makes most sense for the story, but I think it's tough for building the Bucks into uh, a, a credible tag team. So I don't disagree. I, I I was the guy who wanted the Bucks to win the tag team tournament. I wanted them to be the most credible tag team. But I think what we've seen so far is they don't care about that. So that's why I think we see Proud and Powerful. I don't think they're interested in being the title picture right now. I don't think they care about re- being rehabbed. I think they know that they have juice. They have all the audience buy-in. They're you know, visibly very good in the ring when you have people watching them for the first time. So I think they're using that to try and establish these other teams right now. All right, Nate sold me. I'm going to go with Proud and Powerful in this match. All right, Hangman Page versus Pac. All we got on the TV this week was Pac beating Trent uh, with the Brutalizer. The first, like, really botched finish on AEW TV where Pac hits the Black Arrow Trent does not kick out, but Bryce Rimsburg stops the count before three. I've seen people saying Trent forgot to kick out, but I but I think Pac was supposed to pull him up yeah. and then do the brutalizer. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell that this was botched in the building from where I was sitting, other than the crowd had a week. Well, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, although the crowd reacted to that should have been three, the people down the floor. I was like right at the bottom of the lower bowl, so it was great for photographs but it was something that I didn't pick up on this. I like how they've built this feud, though. But, like, for a feud that was on ice for the majority of this promotion's existence, they found a good way to do everything to make this have stakes, to make this have, like, interest from both sides. Like, I might be the world's biggest Pac fan, but Pac has ruled, and no wrestler understands who they are as a wrestler as much as Pac does. And I think that's remarkable. And cowboy shit's over because people love to cuss. And it's just one of those things that in the South, if we could say cowboy shit, we get excited because we love to do a cuss. So I'm really stoked for this and I can't wait to see how this goes. And I think Pac, I think Pac wins because I think he could still have mileage out of uh, Hangman Page kind of finding himself, finding where he is 
And this kind of lets Hangman Page be more interjected into the elite versus inner circle feud if Pac wins and moves on. Yeah, I'm sort of of two minds on this because I was saying that Page is not quite getting to where they want him to be, so it would be good to turn him heel and give him that angle to play off the other elite. It seems like they were kind of hinting that with um, the... Uh, the dream segment on BTE where he was dreaming about feuding with Kenny Omega. Um, But then as Mike was saying, cowboy shit is getting progressively more over and he's getting a little bit bigger reactions. I think as we go week to week, which is what you want to see you want to see people getting behind a talent. Uh, They've done a really good job of setting him up in matches to be the baby face who comes out like a house of fire and outsmarts the heel at the right time and, you know, uh, uh, sees the guy coming and ducks under and hits the big dive to the guy to the outside. Like that's just great baby face, hot fire stuff that you see from like a Cesaro or whatever. And and you want to see those guys get pushed to the next level. Cause it's just fun to watch that. Um, so I don't know. Cause so I'm kind of split now. Cause after seeing that he's getting a little bit better reactions, I could see him sticking with, page and pushing him and trying to make him a little bit bigger by giving him the big win over Pac, and then maybe kenny omega's pissed and he wants to you know he, he's down one loss to Pac, or maybe you just have Pac win here and that sort of advances page moving forward as a heel what do you think ab i think Pac's winning because i think Pac is your next title challenger i probably but then that leads me into thinking cody's gonna win but I think Pac is going to be the next title challenger and get this win. And they kind of, it just didn't turn out how they'd hoped probably for this match to set up. Well, I mean, how they hoped from the beginning was for Paige to be much more over at this point. But then once he kind of wasn't over, you can throw him in this match with Pac. Pac gets the big win, moves on to the title match. However, as you're saying, Paige has really gotten over. So they're kind of in this tough situation where it's like you would love to see Paige get this win. I just don't think it fits with the idea that they already had. But this is the perfect time to do the Paige match they should have done with Jericho, which is for Paige to come up just short of winning this match. Pac is very good at getting heat in matches, at beating down the babyface. Do that. Let Paige get his big comeback and come up just short, and I think you can keep him over where he is. Maybe get him a little more over. Uh, in in a loss. Yeah, I kind of like that. Here's how I might lay it out is Pac's previous two wins, he uh, targeted Paige's leg uh, in their first match, I believe, and then he won with a low blow in their follow-up match. I kind of want to see Paige outsmart him when he goes for those again. You know, Pac goes to hit him in the the leg with a chair and Paige uh, avoids it and, you know, does a comeback. Uh, Pac goes to do a low blow. Paige avoids it and continues soldiering forward. And you're like, oh, you know, he's figured him out now. He's learning from wrestling Pack, But then Pack just has one more trick, and just because he's too fucking good, and he puts Paige down, and he's like, oh, just just not quite close enough. I, I kind of like that. I should also say that uh, Pack interfered in the main event, so there's a little more build for this match. So the main event was Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Kenny Omega and Adam Page, and the finish was Jericho hitting Page with the Judas Effect, but it was right after Pac interfered and kicked Page in the balls in kind of a, a throwback or a callback to uh, the low blow finish in match uh, two. So 
that all makes sense of what you're saying, Nate, that you can kind of work through that. You really, you know, Tony Khan laying out the matches for the wrestlers. I really uh, respect that. And uh, I don't, it's a tough one, but this is going to be a good match. I'm excited for this, uh, but I think Pac's going to uh, come out on top. All right, Joey Janela and Sean Spears. I mean, the build is what it is. We've discussed this, uh, but <laughs> I mean, Joey's got to come out of this with the big win, right? Yeah, I think so. Joey got received like a star when he ran out here on uh, on Dynamite to uh, come after Sean Spears. I really like that angle. It was a very simple angle. It was Sean Spears finally making use of the chair. He keeps use of the chair. He keeps saying he's the chairman, but he only hit one guy in the head with a chair one time. Like, I want to see him branding more people with a chair if that's going to be his gimmick. Uh, but with Joey Janela ran out for the save, and he got received, you know, much bigger than uh, uh, Sean Spears has at any point in this promotion. So now it's time to to start moving Joey up the card. He's taken some losses from Kenny, uh, one on the record and one not, you know, uh, lost in the Cracker Barrel clash. That's hard to say. And the crowd wants, wants to be behind Joey, so the promotion's got to get behind him a little bit. I like how simple of a build this has been. I mean, this is a lower card match. This is a match that has relatively low stakes, you know, and they've really just heated it up over the last few weeks. And it kind of plays off of Joey thinking that he does not want to be known as weapon guy during the match on dark this week, where he took the staple gun out of Jimmy Havoc's hands. I thought that was pretty nice little character trait they showed here. I mean, sadly, I think Sean Spears wins because they see a lot more in him than we all do. But it's just one of those things that they, they, they've done a pretty consistent way of delineating these two people. And for a lower card feud, I think that's a kind of a special thing to do is you don't need a whole lot now. You have a reason why this match is happening, especially for a match that it looks like that. I thought there would be might be another match in this card. It looks like that this might be it. But I think Spears wins just for the sole sake of them tormenting me and my SEO claims for whenever you search AEW and Spears, you're going to get that schmuck and not me. I do think this will be a good litmus test for if they're making right decisions. Like if we see Sean Spears win here, that'll be like the first result in this company where you can go, hmm, that kind of seems like the wrong thing to do. Yeah, I buy that. It'll be interesting to see. I'm getting fired up for this card the more we talk about it after I buried the build. Yeah, I, I after like writing this preview today, where I will admit there's some there's some people that I don't pull punches on, and we'll we'll talk about one of those people next. But the more we talk about the show, the more I'm like, okay, this might not have everything perfect for each match, but on the whole, I'm excited to see how this first pay per view cycle ends. Like I'm stoked for it. I'm really excited to see how everything pays off. Yeah, I'm having some friends over. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Be, AP with the wrestling fun. party on Saturday. Where's my invite? Why am I not going to be able to come down anytime? Come up anytime, I guess. I'm above you. Yeah, I have to leave the mountains again. You know how I felt about leaving the mountains. Yeah, and you're pretty far from me, I think. All right. <laughs> the buy-in. We only know one match so far. I would expect they'll add one or two more to this. Uh, like Mike said, I think the card is probably, the main card is probably closed. We get Britt Baker versus B Priestley. This was, well, I mean, this is one of the longest running storylines in this promotion, to be honest. Maybe the longest running storyline in this promotion. Well, Page and Pack is also about the same length. But this Man, goes back. Michael. What's that and name? Jericho and Cody, really. Jericho and Cody started on those uh, Road 2 segments where he was showing up at the office. That's true. 
A lot of long-term storytelling. Hey, how about it? In the old AEW. So this starts, I guess, in that tag match when uh, B. Priestley kicks Britt Baker in the head, gives her a shoot concussion, and then they kind of played on that going forward. We saw it in the Casino Battle Royale. Uh, and that, that first tag match was at Fighter Fest. And they've kind of been holding off on it. I expected this to be a focus earlier. They hold it for this, but then show it on the pre-show for whatever reason. Uh, you really would like to see them get one more women's match on this show. So maybe we'll see one more on the main card before it's all said and done. I could see Hikaru Shida getting a, a match on this card. Uh, so we got that going. Uh, but now it comes down to this match set up mostly, most recently, by a Britt Baker video package on AW Dark this past weekend. If you listen to Light, you already kind of heard uh, Mike and, and my take on that promo, but uh, we haven't heard from you, Nate. What? Well, I don't know if you watched the promo. You didn't watch the promo, so I shouldn't throw it to you. Uh, so I'll just talk about the match a little more. They had really good chemistry in that Fighter Fest tag when they got in there and were going after each other. I haven't been high on Britt in this promotion. I don't think she's a great in-ring wrestler. Uh, B Priestley, I think, is excellent, and her stardom red belt run was was excellent. Um, but I'm not sure how this one's going to go. I'm really not. I mean, I think Britt Baker's going to win because that's the person they're behind in this promotion, but not sure what we're going to see in the ring. So I think it's kind of a smart move to put this on the buy-in um, because – there's kind of a perception that Britt Baker is overpushed or overfeatured for her talent level or whatever. And I think this sort of eases that idea a little bit. Uh, and it's also good to have maybe something with a little bit of build on the buy-in because you want people to tune into that and then be sold on the pay-per-view. That's the idea. Whether they do a hard sell on the pay-per-view or not remains to be seen. But I'm okay with that decision. That being said, uh, yeah, I would definitely like to see another women's match on here. They have good women on the roster there's a lot of people that are saying there's no women's division. I'm, I'm responding to fake discourse or whatever now, but um, you know, we, a lot of people that are not on this card. I think Shazza McKenzie said that she was going to Baltimore, and this shows in Baltimore. So you know, maybe there's another buy-in match with women. Wouldn't it be nice to see maybe Hikaru Shida or Shanna or uh, Nyla Rose, who hasn't been around on the main card as well. Um, but yeah, I think. Maybe the idea had been to give Britt the big push coming out of here, but I think uh, what I'd like to see in this match is basically Britt get some uh, uh, babyface sympathy by having B just beat the shit out of her for however many minutes, have B uh, kick her in the back of the head to get the win, um, and then maybe you heat B up a little bit to be a, another challenger to Riho while you continue to work on Britt underneath and, and get her up and running. It's a good idea, especially since they – see each other in stardom so you know they can kind of work out some things uh, away from the aw audience I, I cut in mike just because i didn't set up this match for other people who didn't watch dark <laughs> you don't know what the the story they're going with here is so the brit promo was this it was unprofessional that b Priestley kicked her in the head so hard and then that she heard her uh, but never called or texted her to see how she was so the story is that B is reckless in the ring and then she's unprofessional with how she deals with those things afterward. And that's what has pissed Britt Baker off. Now, I thought this was a pretty good 
Britt Baker promo, if we, you know, of the baseline of a Britt Baker promo, you saw some real emotion from her because I, I bet she feels this way a little bit. She might not actually hate B. Uh, I, I expect she doesn't, but she probably thinks B kicked her a little too hard. It should have been a little safer. So you sense that from her. Uh, but a weird storyline for a wrestling match when the point is to hurt the other person and beat them. So not that excited about that. But if we see some real anger in this match and they really go after each other, it can be fun. Yeah, like I hated that promo so much. That that promo just, uh, there, there's not a lot about it, but should have made TV in my opinion. And it, it this is like part of the cognitive dissonance between I feel like the fans and who they push that Brit is a big example of that. And I think Sean Spears is as well, because these are people that they seem like they're going to be pushing regardless and having a prominent role. Whereas if you have someone like Britt Baker in general, I just don't see really the uh, appeal to her. I call her in the uh, VOW preview, someone with the charisma of a rice cake because she's just negative charisma. And you have someone like Brit with B Priestley, who I really like the idea of he eating her up for a future shot against Riho, especially now that B Priestley can drop a fall here, not in this match, but against uh Riho, you could have another defense lineup along the lines here. And yeah, it's pretty smart that this is just going to stick to the buy-in because for a show like this, for a match that sadly I don't think is going to get much of a response just because of B. Priestley in America is still somewhat of an unknown quantity and Britt Baker has the personality of a rice cake that I just can't care. Like this is a match I just don't care about. And sadly, Britt Baker's probably going to win and we're going to be subjected more with her when I just don't think that she should be in this kind of role or in this kind of position. So it's frustrating. All right. Full gear. I think that's it. Uh, also check out AW countdown full gear. It's up on their YouTube channel. I've heard a lot of good uh, feedback on it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I certainly will before the show on Saturday. It's really hard for me to get out of my mind that pay-per-views happen on Sunday. I've been really struggling with that. I like it on Saturday. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's just hard for me to get used to. Uh, a note from Dave on Dynamite, Dave Meltzer from this week's Observer. Uh, Aaron Taub used to always get on me for calling Gabe Sapolsky Gabe because he would say that uh, people didn't necessarily know who that was, which I was like, then why the fuck are they listening to this podcast, I guess? So I, I always said, evolve promoter Gabe Sapolsky. If you, uh, there's some e, some original EE canon for you or lore. I'm going to put that on the trivia page. Yeah. So... Uh, Wrestling Observer uh, publisher, Dave Meltzer, said, an interesting note is that the show drew, so this is the Charlotte Dynamite show, drew just over 4,000 fans with 3,600 paid. This was the smallest crowd in the company's short history. Uh, the irony is that the crowd was on fire, true, and Charlotte does the best ratings for AEW of almost anywhere. Uh, they apparently did a 2.5 in week two in Charlotte. Uh, which Dave notes is almost unheard of for TNT and held up to a 1.5 in the city against game seven of the world series. So weird lack of correlation between ratings and ticket sales, but I just don't know. There's too much to read into this stuff yet. They are, if they're doing, you know, around 4,000 a week, that's who else is, I mean, other than WWE, who else is selling 4,000 tickets a week? 
So I mean, TNA got plenty of time to build this thing. Yeah, TNA has only done that several times in their history when they were the number two in the country. So it's it's interesting because I am terrible at estimating. I thought it might have been fifty five hundred to six thousand. Uh, Bojangles Coliseum seats eight. They tarped off nearly the entire uh, hard cam side except for the lower bowl. But it's interesting because, as I've said earlier this episode, wrestling is a tradition in these parts and. The fact that people watched it over baseball, especially with the Washington Nationals, which would kind of be a team in this area. It's not like the Braves being so big in the Carolinas. It's just kind of interesting to see there. And I mean, for 4,000 people, it certainly didn't sound like 4,000. So that's exciting. I mean, that's kind of a cool note as well as how loud everyone was. All right. We covered all the segments from Dynamite, so no reason to go any more into that card unless there's something else that sticks out for uh, you guys that you want to shout out before we move on. Okay, here's what was taped for Dark. Hikaru Shida took on Big Swole. I guess the interesting note here is that uh, Shida has now moved to the U.S., uh, should be full-time going forward. She's going to go back to do Makai in Japan, uh, but that's, you know, not uh, so often that she won't be able to live here in the United States. And I don't know who put this in or where it comes from, but apparently Big Swole was either offered or will be offered an AEW contract. I saw a tweet about this today. So it's not from a source. It's just something I saw. So at least there seems to be, I know there was a lot of kind of comments around about their women's division, not having a lot of talent in there of a certain level. And apparently over the last two weeks, they might be more interested in Swole. So there might be a chance that Swole might be in Baltimore as well. This match was fun. Like all three of the dark matches without getting to spoilers, it was a good time. The crowd pretty much thinned out by the end of it, but each of the matches had something going on with it. We'll talk about these matches in more depth on AEW Lite next week for our three, well, for any tier. If you subscribe at all to the Patreon, you'll get AEW Lite every Wednesday morning. We also had Nyla Rose and Leva Bates taking on Shazza McKenzie and Shalandra Royal. So uh, Shazza, if you don't know, is an Australian wrestler. She had done the Mae Young Classic, done NXT. I thought she was fed adjacent, but she was in the uh, Casino Battle Royale. So I guess there's a chance that she's going to be more involved in AEW going forward. So that's exciting. Our Mike's tweet about her was very popular last night. So she's got a passionate fan base, if nothing else. Yeah. Oh, Mike's picture for her own Twitter account. <laughs> what the fuck, Shazza? I mean, hey, I it was a good photo. I mean, I don't blame her. Like, I got in a good position for that. And I s- scooped people, I guess. But yeah, you know, people love Shazza. Shazza's great. I'm excited to see her more in AEW. And I like how they fleshed out this division. So yeah, it's cool that now that She's someone that's been around for a long time. Like Shazza is not a young wrestler. Like she, I remember her doing like she's thirty one. I was looking up earlier. Yeah, like because I remember like seeing her on. Uh, uh, I think she was in uh, Shimmer and doing some U.S. Indies back when. Like, uh, what is her name? I'm gonna blank on her. Jeez, oh, she used to be uh, the current Billy Kay, Jesse McKay's partner, Madison Eagles. She used to come over a lot of Madison Eagles. So. It's a, it's cool that she's around here. And then, you know, I mean, this was a interest. This is an interesting match. I'll I'll talk about what I've noticed in the crowd later. But yeah. Shalandra Royal. So when I, I asked Mike, like, what were the dark matches? He told me, I was like, who the fuck is 
uh, Shalonda Royal. Turns out I've seen her live twice, actually, because she was in the Casino Battle Royale, and she sang the national anthem at All In. So she is a young wrestler. She actually, her nickname is Rookie. So she's a young wrestler, but maybe somebody they're keeping an eye on as, as someone to use in the future. SCU and Shima took on uh, the Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian. This was the match the Hybrid 2 was in and not the, the three-way yep. on TV. Yep. Oops. Uh, the, the, this match was a fun fun trios match. If you like that style trios match, it was good. All right, AEW Dark from this week. So we're no longer going to like go in-depth on these matches on this show. We're going to do that on AEW Lite. I will run down the results. Uh, Sean Spears defeated Michael Nakazawa with the slingshot brain buster, bringing in Tully Blanchard's old move, which is very cool. Allie and Sadie Gibbs defeated Mercedes Martinez and Big Swole. Uh, Sadie uh, used a moonsault press to pin Big Swole. Uh, we had the Brit sit-down interview that we talked about earlier. Cody interviewed Jimmy Havoc for his undeniable, no, his un... What is it? Desirable. Um, desirable to undeniable series. Uh, Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc defeated... Uh, the Jurassic Express team of Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Jimmy pinned Marco after an avalanche package pile driver. All right, we had been doing the BTE quick hits. Those are moving over to AW Light now, so you can check those out. They were on there this week, and they'll be on there next week. The next Dynamite, November 13 in Nashville, Tennessee. Of course, we don't know anything about that show yet because yeah, there's going to be a big pay-per-view in between. Uh, but we will be previewing that also on AW Light. It's a big show. You got to check in for. It. You got to subscribe uh, to hear AW Light every Wednesday morning, where we'll be previewing Dynamite. Okay, let's talk about some other stuff. Let's have a little fun here. We haven't gone as long as I thought, so we'll have <laughs> a little fun. The DDT Ultimate Party 2019 at Ryogoku, uh, November third. So just this past weekend, Kenny Omega and Riho. So big AEW hours. Defeated Antonio Honda and Miyu Yamashita. Uh, this was a fun match. You got to expect to see Miyu, I think, in AEW at some point. Uh, but just cool. The DDT fans love Kenny, so it was exciting. This was a really strong match. Um, just a lot of great spots. Uh, and Antonio Honda won me over with this match. Like he did, he does a bit in every match where he injures his knee and then tells a story with his hand acting as gone the fox and then uses this to surprise attack his opponents in this match he injured his knee because everybody was on the outside waiting for him to dive and he just ate shit and tripped over himself and it was just a fantastic pratfall and i laughed out loud and now i'm a fan um and then his little bit for for tricking kenny omega with his gone the fox thing is the gone the fox hand signal is the too sweet hand signal so he was giving kenny a too sweet and got him right in the eyes. Um, but yeah, Kenny's story for this match was basically that he, uh, you know, wants to advance uh, the mixed tag genre of wrestling. And he wanted to uh, relive some of his great matches with Antonio Honda from when he was back in DDT. And Miyu was pretty much explicitly there as, oh, I want to see how strong Miyu is and see if she's, you know, on, on the level that could be in competition in AEW or something like that. So uh, absolutely expect to see her at some point. But really fun match, and uh, especially wanted to note this because in the next day press conference, um, Kenny took uh, some heavy shots at uh, Endo and Takeshita. Um, so I expect to see probably Kenny back in DDT to work some programs with those guys or something. Uh, it seems like he, you know, kind of wants to uh, 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 
be able to go over there and do what he wants to do as far as wrestling against women or whatever, or, uh, you know, wrestling against guys who maybe AEW is not interested in like Endo and Takeshita is kind of the vibe I get. Um, but that match was really fun. Yeah. It's something that's kind of interesting. I was reading the observer as we were recording, apparently Kenny has been stopped at the airport when he's been flying to Japan every time since his new Japan contract ran out, like stopped, like through customs and at one time he had real estate in Japan. I think that makes you like a permanent resident because there's interesting residency laws. They'd be like sponsored by your employer to have real estate or you have to be a permanent resident. So there's a lot more like kind of uh, bad blood between Kenny and the Bucks in New Japan than people were saying. But I think one of the highlights for this is that Kenny came out to Dr. Wiley's revenge. You know, I mean, his big theme before all the uh, New Japan ones. So I thought it's really interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of just plays out because obviously there's Shima with the OWE connection and that's going to have some stuff going on. I mean, like they're having shows in two weeks in Japan and then you have DT, you have Stardom. Like there's just the whole spider web that friend of the show, Kara has said that we need to map out all the relationships definitely seems to be getting more and more muddled and more and more in play here. So, and I would love to see Mayu Yamashita and, and Ali. I think that she would be a completely different wrestler for what most people expect coming in. So I think that'd be, I think that would rule. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't blame new Japan for being pissed. Maybe I blame them about their possible methodology. Cause I believe DDT outdrew power struggle with this show. They did, but it's also the venues. So power struggle, Power Struggle was at Edeon in Osaka. That only seats about 6,000, whereas they were at Ryo Goku. And I think with DDT set up, they could seat like 7,000. They came close to that. So No, they no, they didn't come close to it. They drew like... Uh, it was like 5,600 5, or something. But uh, New Japan didn't get a super no vacancy in Osaka either. So no, uh, no Anyway, I, I was just making vacancy. a little joke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't care. I was just like, I thought I should correct the record. You, you, are you telling me, AB, that you do not track the Culture Day three-day weekend in Japan where everyone had a big show and is trying to see who drew and who didn't drew and why somehow uh, Noah had the strongest sh- attendance last weekend out of anyone in Japan? The attendance discourse is almost unbearable for me, but it was like <laughs> everywhere, so I just could not avoid it. So I know like what all the Ryogoku shows drew for whatever dumb reason. And I, also, they, I like... I'm ask this question. I can't help, but like every Stardom Corican, I like immediately go to Cage Match to see what the attendance was. Like, why do I care? How many people went to the show? I don't care. <laughs> it's a capitalistic enterprise. I know. That's the, the pro wrestling lives and dies on attendance figures. That's why. The attendance is a somewhat... Uh, uh, what's the fucking word? Uh, empirical measure of whether you did a good job with your pro wrestling, because pro wrestling is an advertising art form where you're promoting matches to draw houses. So if you draw houses, you did a good job promoting the matches. And that means the pro wrestling was good. That's the two ways you can tell if pro wrestling was good. And the only two ways you can tell did it draw a house and did the crowd make noise? I'm being semi ironic. <laughs> I just think we should, uh, someone brought this up. We should just nationalize pro wrestling there. We, you wouldn't have to worry about this whatsoever. AB if wrestling was nationalized. If wrestling was nationalized and all tickets were free, yeah. then how do you tell if it was good or not? There's no way. Crowd response. Crowd response. Okay, maybe. When wrestling is nationalized, uh, Emperor Ogawa will uh, give us great wrestling, and that's how we'll know. 
Well, couldn't even pull any any response out of that. I sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yuka Sakazaki defeated Shoko Nakajima to win the Princess of Princess Championship in a very fun match. And just seeing Mizuki crying at commentary after this match, uh, it just hit me so big. The photo backstage of uh, Yuka and Shoko hugging after the match. Oh, just a joy. Uh, As to tie this into AEW, of course, Yuka has been here. And Shoko, too, has been in AEW. A lot of people are like, well, where is she? Is she coming back? And if you look at her, I got to shout out uh, Matt SDL on Twitter. I highly doubt he listens, certainly not an hour 30 into this show. But uh, he's a he's a great Twitter account. And he pointed out to me that she posted her schedule not that long ago. And it's very open in December and January. Other than she's going to be at the 1-4 Tokyo Joshi show that Nate and I and Aaron Taub will be present for in the front row. Uh, but we should expect to see Yuka in AEW in December and January. Yeah, this match was uh, pretty great, really. Um, and you could tell, uh, as you mentioned, that uh, this spotlight and this opportunity and this performing on this stage and, and turning in a great match in it obviously meant a lot to, I think, all the Tokyo Joshi Pro women because, uh, yeah, there was a lot of crying. And, yeah, I would recommend this match uh, to anybody with a passing interest in either of these women from AEW. Wrestling that can make you cry is the only good wrestling, in my opinion. And oh, okay, that uh, we have to get some sort of metric to judge cheers versus tears. This is really how we decide if wrestling <laughs> is good or not. You're on to something. If somebody's crying at the end, then it was a good match. If not, it wasn't. Scorpio Sky. I, I mentioned this on a previous show, so I feel like we should talk about this. Uh, many years ago, Scorpio Sky used very awful homophobic language on Twitter uh, and not just used it, doubled down on it and went really far into uh, being a homophobe and not being embarrassed about being a homophobe. There was, I don't know, not that long ago, there was an AMA on Reddit where he basically said, yeah, that was uh, a bad look out of me. It was like two or three years ago, actually, but yeah. Uh, But then this week there was uh, an interview or they got quotes from Scorpio sky on out sports, right? Yeah. Outsports excerpted an interview he did with friend of the show, Chris Van Vliet. Okay. And basically, Scorpio Sky does uh, what reads to me as a very sincere, uh, legit apology, not just for having said dumb things and for having said homophobic things, but for having been the person who would say those things. And he very strongly said, not only was it bad that he said it publicly, it was bad that if he ever would have said that privately, and uh, made a strong case for the fact that he has has grown and changed as a person. It also featured uh, a quote from Sonny Kiss saying that uh, he's a big fan of Scorpio Sky. He thinks we should encourage people to grow and change and not punish them uh, when they have proven that they've done so. So your mileage may vary. It's certainly up to people who are uh, in uh, the LGBT community of whether they want to accept this sort of apology from Scorpio Sky guy but it did seem to be earnest yeah this was a i i have a big thing about apologies that aren't apologies like people who don't take ownership over their actions and again like how ab said this isn't really our determination to make if this was a good apology or not as this is truly up to the lgbtq community but he took ownership of it and he talked about how he progressed as a person and has like 
through his life has learned the error of his ways. And I thought that in, in an industry where we see a lot of non-apologies, it's nice to see someone own up to them having held really repugnant views and bettering themselves and educating themselves and incorporating themselves in a better life. So I thought this was a really kind of strong thing. And again, it's your mileage might vary. Speaking of people with repugnant views, Chris Jericho interviewed Donald Trump Jr. to talk about his book, Triggered. I mean, so funny. So funny. Uh, this is just, it's, it's fucking bad, folks. Uh, I, the first three words of the book are literally, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm surprised the next you know, three words. Really? I'm actually laughing. Yeah. But, um, who's the who's the really good reporter who finds people's hidden Twitter accounts? Oh, Ashley. Ashley Feinberg. Ashley, yes. Oh yeah. She 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 posted that on Twitter that she had a copy of the book, and the first three words are "I'm not mad." Uh, anyway, yeah, this thing. So obviously, there's like you know a, a concerted press effort to get this guy some fucking publicity for his, uh, you know, uh, 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 Jim Norton stand-up special on Netflix. Uh, like he was on uh, The View today, I think. Um, but the view audience was smart enough to boo the shit out of him. Chris Jericho was not. So, you know, too many hits to the head, maybe. And this shouldn't be a surprise if you've read any of Chris Jericho's books that he might be someone with really suspect politics and personal beliefs. He's talked about how awesome it is for him to drive drunk before. So, and he's had like real dumb people on his podcast. Like, I'm not going to mince words here, but like, there was the episode where he had where he had the uh, the Wyndham brothers, Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt on where they were talking about like who are lizard men and who aren't like I think people should like understand that if you're someone who spends their career around a business like this, don't like put your uh, faith that they're just going to be normal and like people who don't have repugnant views. So, yeah. And, and again, a, a total like self error. Like, why would you do that? Like, they you have to know that this kind of stuff was going to happen. And I don't know why Chris Jericho sees himself as the wrestler, uh, Joe Rogan, but that was kind of the path that he apparently decided to take this week. You got to wonder if AEW has any say. Like, does he have to say who, like, I'm going to bring these people on my podcast just because it's going to be a, it could be a bad look for them? I'm guessing no. I mean, he, he's on like a, Right. And, and I think that's probably a lot of the appeal for him signing with them is that, you know, he's free to do his rock band and he's free to do whatever he wants. Um, you know, WWE would always limit your promotional opportunities or like film roles or television appearances and be like, no, you can't do that. So I think the freedom is part of what probably attracted him. Like he was on um, whatever America's got talent or whatever the fuck. Um but yeah, you know, I think probably all, AEW probably also assumes because he's on like a network, right? The network probably uh, you would think would not be inviting David Duke on. But, you know, Donald Trump Jr. basically is. So what's the fucking difference? Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, and of course, I should note uh, that Chad Khan donated a million dollars to Trump's inauguration. So uh, it ain't all flowers over here. Uh, Chris Jericho and other news. We mentioned this. He's going to be on Inside the NBA tonight. So uh, check that out. I mean, it will have already happened by the time you hear this, but it'll probably be on uh, the internet somewhere. Hopefully something weird enough will happen that it goes viral and you can check it out after the fact. Yes. I'm just hoping that there'll be a good enough clip that I can send my mom who loves uh, 
Charles Barkley a clip of her and Chris Jericho. That's my only hope out of this, that we get some good uh, just repartee out of this. I mean, I feel like that this is the kind of crossover and synergy that we've already seen before, and hopefully they have more of this going forward because if you're a part of this machine, you might as well use it. Uh, Kenny Omega is going to take on Dragon Lee in AAA. Now, is that going to be for the Mega Heavyweight Championship? Yep. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. That's very interesting from like a... A lot of views, right? Yeah. So here's the deal with this. It will be on December 1st in Monterey. It is part of the Triple Mania Regia uh, special show. You would think that a great big match like this they would have available for people to watch across the world. Nope, it's not going to be aired live. It will be on tape but of course it's interesting because kenny and dragon lee uh dragon lee and roosh are now doing some uh date by date dates with uh triple a they're throwing a lot of money on the show roosh is on the show as well as soon as the show makes tape and gets out there it's going to be a really fun show if you love lucha libre it might end up being the lucha libre show of the year so it's wild this is happening and you know i don't know if kenny wins this to be honest i mean it, it's triple a so the titles don't matter really but it's an interesting match that they that they just announced today. So I'm stoked to see what happens out of this. Yeah, one interesting point on it, of course, is that uh, Dragon Lee and Roosh are both ROH-affiliated talent at this point in time. Roosh is the ROH champion, and he used the ROH championship to promote his match with L.A. Park and Pagano on this show, which is a AAA show, which obviously is not in the CMLL New Japan axis. So you have the ROH title being promoted on a triple a show which is in the aew axis so just kind of interesting that now because of this uh blow up with russian dragon lee and cmll you kind of have roh like inching closer to the aew side of things uh because they're on the the outs with uh, cmll here and it's just a again the spider web of wrestling because you have to think that cmll will talk to new japan about this because that's their strongest partner and it's just it's an interesting mess and only in 2019 are we seeing this happen like this has been a bizarre year in wrestling so of course kenny versus dragon lee is going to happen in a triple a ring in the middle of a baseball park by the way i didn't mention this it's at the monterey uh i forget the, the technical name of the mexican baseball league but it's it's at their baseball stadium it's run by the guy who owns rosh france so Rosh hey. Franz. Yeah, yeah. So that's how this all ties together is Rosh Franz, which might now be AEW affiliated. Uh, and apparently the Lucha Brothers have signed with AAA. Yep. Uh, this was another Observer thing. Uh, I know I mentioned earlier that we don't have their contract situation. Now AAA is controlling all their Mexican bookings. Nothing really stated about AEW. I assume that with the relationship, not much will change. If anything, this might give a little bit more weight towards the idea that Lucha Brothers could win that tag match. Well, folks, just because we started a Patreon doesn't mean we're going to be skipping on uh, everything Elite's weekly show. <laughs> Here's two hours of audio to prove that. So uh, I think that's it. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us a rating, a review, and check out our Patreon. You got to, I didn't say earlier where to go. Fuck. Patreon.com <laughs> slash Everything Elite. I don't think I said that. That's bad. That's so bad. Go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Check out the tiers. Uh, subscribe to whatever whatever fits what you're looking for, fits your budget. And we will provide a whole host of uh, bonus podcasts to, uh, to pay you back for that. So I think that's it for this week. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. 
We'll see you next time. Okay.